Hey, I'm Michael Dorinda. And I'm Jake Bennett. And welcome to episode 72 of the North Meet South Web Podcast. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for uh, that little splash of intro music there, Michael. It's always a great pleasure to hear that. Then it's done. So we need. That's it's it. too much, if you ask me. I like it. It's good. It's good. So, hey, uh, it is crazy. Like just for, you know, if there's my children ever listening to this someday because they want to hear what their old dad sounded like during the coronavirus days. Dude, it's like crazy what's going on, isn't it? I mean, like these are like unprecedented times. This is wild. It's like a global crisis catastrophe. Everybody knows what you're talking about. And it's just like that that happens so rarely. So how's your family doing? You guys all doing well? Yeah, we're okay for the most part. I mean, things have changed very quickly from you know when we spoke last week to this week i've uh on wednesday started working from home full-time re is working home full-time as of friday um as of yesterday my entire company shifted to 100 percent full-time working from home you know there's teasing issues with that for a for a company that is predominantly office bound to now shift to working from home there's challenges there obviously if people aren't used to it the setups are different at home um yeah for sure. there's obviously the social isolation aspect of it which people need to adjust to and and you know you lose a whole lot of of the social cues and things like that as well when you're moving to moving to work from home but i'm i'm very fortunate that i work for a company where that's actually something that we can do yeah it's an option that, you know being a technology company it was it was fairly easy for us to do that but at the same time, there was um, we had some redundancies earlier in the week. Uh, there's been some changes from the top down. We've we've been asked to um, you know change our working arrangements and things like that for a little while. So um, I'm fortunate to, to still be employed. Obviously, um, that is first and foremost very important. Obviously, especially yeah. for the family to be able to to keep doing that kind of stuff you know to, to be employed and, and to be able to work from home and all that kind of stuff as well so i'm very grateful for that um eli's still in childcare at the moment they haven't they haven't said they're closing schools and childcares and things like that yeah I, we're obviously in two minds about that we're as adults being told to socially distance ourselves and maintain non-essential travel and and we've as uh, south australia's actually just today closed their borders so the we're going to see very shortly from the federal government no more um, non-essential domestic travel. We've already closed our international borders. So, you know, and this is something that's happening around the world. So, it's yeah, we're in two minds. Obviously, we're both working from home now. So, we're kind of grateful that Eli's still being looked after. But how long that's going to last, we don't know. And then once he's right. at home, that's a whole different proposition for us because, you know, having a 21-month-old running around the house you know, it's not like you can just sit him down to watch TV for hours at a time. You've got to keep uh, keep an eye on him. And so, you know, we're just going to have to tag team and, and do that. So, yeah, I mean, I've, I've worked from home on occasion in the past, you know, a day here and a day there. And if I've had to look after Eli, you know, we've been able to have my parents around at least. But my parents, dad will be, dad's 73, mum's 68. So, you know, we had to make the hard call of basically, you know, yeah, don't yeah, come and visit us. Pleasure. Right, exactly. Don't just just don't come and visit us for for at least a couple couple of weeks just until we figure out what's going on. So you know, and and the whole thing is you've got to spend a couple of weeks just to figure out if you do develop any right. symptoms because because the the virus can just sit there and you can be asymptomatic for a period of time before you know you even know that you've got it because you've got no symptoms. So um, you know, it's it's tough in terms of staying away from people but we're we're living in a really good time where you know you and i can have this conversation and this is fairly normal for us because we do this every week right exactly you know you can pick up the phone and you can have a face-to-face video chat with someone and and it's good to see and just on twitter through the week people from all around australia and all around the world offering up you know five ten minutes here and there throughout the day just to say hey want to have a chat do you want to you know we could just have a little coffee break and things like that that you miss when you're not at work that you don't you know have that interaction and and sitting in a in a in a room by yourself is can be daunting for some people especially the more extroverted people i think the introverts are, are probably cheering at the moment this is right. what they've been looking for you know they hate going into the office and, and being able to self-quarantine be at home. i've been preparing yeah. for this for my whole life 
That's exactly right. So yeah. that's um, funny. You know, we're making do. Uh, you know, the, some of the, the thought processes that we, that I was going through earlier in the week was around. You know, all right, assuming I don't have a job by the end of the week, how long can we survive, and and what do we do? But you know, thankfully yeah. it didn't come to that. So unfortunately, um, I think and, a lot of I, people have had to sort of like run those scenarios, right? It's like, yeah. oh man, like okay, um, if my employer goes bankrupt, I've got how much of a lifeline or, you know, how long can I run? Like what, what's my runway until I'm out of money or until I have to do something else, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It sucks, man. It's, it's crazy. Like, it's just so like such a, um, revelation that like security is an illusion. Like <laughs> this idea of control that we have is so yeah. fragile and like, it's, it's great. Like, and I don't know, like for us, my whole life, it's always been, everything's just very stable. Like, yep. Paychecks in the, you know, in the mail, like I'm getting one in, in next week and like, I'm going to get one mm. two weeks after that. And then, you know, blah, 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 whatever. Like your bills are scheduled. Everything's planned. No big deal. Right. But like for people who have sort of lived longer, uh, you can kind of see some of the, you know, <laughs> some of the, um, things that they've, they've gone through and, and it helps to explain maybe some of their tendencies or, or, um, you know, cautiousness around finances, around whatever it is, right? Because mm -hmm. they've seen stuff like this happen before. And for me, this is sort of like the first time, I mean, outside of like 9-11, 9-11 was a big deal, obviously, but it wasn't really, I mean, it wasn't even close to this scale. Um, nah. And so, oh man, it's just very, very interesting. So, but it's like, it feels like nobody is untouched. Like even the people who have a lot of money are, I mean, obviously people who have large investments, like the stock market is just tanking right now, right? So it's like, Everybody, no matter rich, poor, you know, whatever, everybody's being affected. Like the virus doesn't yeah. care how much money you have or whatever. No. So, or how young you are, or how big exactly. you are, or how old you are. Right. You know, it's, right. Um, you know, we, we've seen it with Rudy Gobert and, you know, the immediate suspension of the NBA season as soon as a player tested positive and uh, all the sports leagues around the world are shutting down. AFL, our, our footy. They decided to go ahead with round one this weekend and they'd, they'd shortened the games and they had a whole heap of restrictions around, you know, no high fives and things like that. But um, I get the feeling that the AFL season is going to get shut down very quickly. It, it was funny watching on Twitter last night all of the Americans because we're basically the only sport in the world that's actually still going that's ahead. That's funny. So, so people are still, people are watching AFL. <laughs> yeah. It's like, that's hilarious. So, it's uh, it's different times. It's you know adjustments and pulling back and and just trying to be smart. And it's really hard to to sit and watch and and see all these people. Like we had Bondi Beach was still open up until yesterday, and it, you know it was nice weather, so everyone went to the beach. And people aren't taking this seriously. And you know we're we're following the same trend in Australia that has been seen in you know Italy and and the UK and and the United States where. Cases are still low in terms of population, but cases are doubling every two or three days at the moment. You know, we went from yeah. um, 400 to 800 and we're at just over 1,000 now. We had some, I think it was four cruise ships that docked in, in Sydney during the week and, and those people were allowed to just get off the cruise ship. They weren't checked. They weren't tested. They weren't, they didn't have their nothing. They just got off and, and went yep. and they were, home. Yeah. you know, people... People went home, you know, to the Northern Territory and they've now tested positive to to the virus. And we had 18 tourists, uh, American tourists yesterday. It was revealed that like 10 of the 18 had tested positive. So, and, and they're in South Australia now. But, you know, these people were just like, oh, I, I feel fine. And, and, you know, I feel fine is not the the marker for this thing. It just sits there quietly and it's and it's the people that you pass it on to. And, and for, you know, all the medical advice that, that I've been reading is that for most people, you'll be fine. For for most people, if you get sick, you'll you'll have the symptoms and, and a week later or a week and a half later, the, the symptoms will pass and, and you'll be okay. But it's not, you know, it's not about how you feel and, and what's going to happen to you. It's about the people that you interact with. And if you're still going out and you're seeing people and and especially if you've got older, you know, older parents and grandparents, it's just just stay away from them for the time being. Don't like you wouldn't want to be the one that that passes it on because you didn't know you had it and then you know the, the worst happens and the worst is happening so 
Be yeah. smart out there, people. Be safe. It's a couple of weeks staying at home is not going to kill you. It's it's not like we're facing total lockdowns. It's just about minimizing contact with people outside of your own family. I went. We did our. I did our weekly grocery shopping yesterday. I went by myself. I went first thing in the morning. I I spent as little time as possible in there. I didn't touch anything that I didn't need. You know, it was just a, a matter of of being sensible about being out um, and and you know getting the essentials for what's left. And for the most part, you know, people are panic buying and and hoarding stuff and things like that. It's just it's madness. Like people have bought up all the toilet paper and all the soap, which is <laughs> fine. But what are you going to do when they shut everything down and you've got no food? Are you just going to eat toilet paper until you come out of lockdown? <laughs> like, and you know, there's a website. I don't know if I'll find it and we can link it up in the show notes. You know, how much toilet paper do you actually need? And based on how much toilet paper you've bought, how much, how long is that going to last you? Right. And you know, yeah. people that are, that are hoarding all this toilet paper have got like three months worth of toilet paper. Great. So. And, and because of those people, you go, well, there's no toilet paper. So if I see it, I need to buy it because there might not be any next time I go kind of thing. And so it just, it's like the it just perpetuates prophecy. the cycle. Yeah, it's recursive yeah. loop of people panic buying. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So, you know, the supermarkets here, I'm, I'm assuming it's the same over there. They've started putting limits on, mm-hmm. on you yeah. know, per transaction. You can only buy, you know. I, I had right. to put some milk back yesterday because I couldn't even buy the milk that we would regularly buy. Right, yeah. Because, um, you know, Ree's lactose intolerant, so she has... Her own milk, and and then you know Eli's got his own milk, and I've got my own milk. So, you know, I put mine back because you can only buy two two items of 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 cold milk. I could still buy long life milk, you know, heat tra- ultra heat treated or whatever it is that you can keep in the in the cupboard for months at a time until you until you open it. So, yeah, it's 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 weird. Like people are not taking it seriously, but they're hoarding toilet paper for some reason. I I don't know what their plan is to be honest yeah yeah man wild and, times and you guys you just got the governor of illinois i saw yesterday the day before has mm-hmm. has instilled a a shelter a in place sh- order yeah shelter in place yeah yeah so it's it actually is still like optional i mean technically you know it's it's a recommendation it's not actually going to be like enforced like they're not going to be arresting people who are going to work mm-hmm. or whatever um, so it's kind of like up to the businesses. Our business is following it though. And we're trying to be really careful and making sure we're being responsible. So it's been wild. Like our IT teams have been working like 20 hour days for the last like four days, trying to get everybody remote. Cause the thing is we could order equipment to get people remote, but all the equipment's on back order. So mm-hmm. they had to do magic to figure out how, instead of requiring all of our users to VPN in, they can do some fancy new trickery and update the firmware on these thin clients we have to allow people to just plug into their home network and at home and be able to get into our network at work through HTTPS mm-hmm. gateway. It's insane. Like they've been doing some wild stuff. I don't yeah. understand it, but they've literally been able to get go from 30% ability of people to work remote to about 95% in four days. Yeah. That's unheard of. Like, yeah. That and the only thing they had to do was order power over Ethernet injectors for the phones, for some of the phones. Because yeah. we people don't have POE at home. So Yeah, of course. That's that's I mean, it literally is like miraculous that they were able to do any of this stuff. So I'm like, you know, I might be on uh IT support tomorrow fielding phone calls from our new remote employees in case they have a setup connection problem. You yeah. know, so it's like I'm just jumping in and do whatever I can help. Our dev teams are just, you know, we're still chugging along, but I'm like whatever I can do. Anybody who has a technical mindset, we're just kind of like, what can we do to help? You know, can we make cat five cables? Like what can we do? You know? So yeah, we're all just kind of jumping in and trying to help wherever we can. It's amazing. The turnaround that we've seen from all of these businesses that have, have suddenly, Oh yeah, you can work from home because you have to. Yeah. It's, and you know, this is the point that DHH has been going on about on Twitter recently amidst all of his, against the companies that aren't doing it and shutting down and things like that. How quickly businesses have actually been able to get their employees to work from home for businesses that were not previously able to do it because you had to be in the office and you have to use our equipment. And suddenly, oh no, you can work from home and, and we can make it happen. And seeing, you know, it'll be interesting over the next few weeks as this all unfolds, how many meetings we find out that don't have to happen that could have just been 
emails instead of yeah. our meetings with all these people in there. So there's that um, old saying like necessity is the mother invent of invention, right? So like this, mm-hmm. like, oh, well, you have to work remote now. So can we? It's like, well, I guess we can make it happen. So yeah, people are. Yeah, it's like it's interesting, like all the innovation that comes out around these times of crisis where like you have to innovate. So like, there's people making like 3D printed versions of ventilators. Like how quick can we scale up production of ventilators globally? Like America needs like 7.4 million of them. And it's like, we have 700,000 of them. So like, how do we get those, you know, like all this crazy stuff that's going on. So yeah, it's, it's a scary time, but you know, I think that, um, I don't know. I don't want to make any predictions. I I'm, I'm with you though. Like I'm thankful I'm able to work from home and you know, I'm hopeful that my employer is going to stay afloat and, um, that's definitely not true for everybody. So, Mm -hmm. Hey, my prayers and thoughts are, are with you all. And, um, We'll see on the other side, I suppose. Yep. Yeah. So with that, like we've kind of had a little bit of extra time, uh, not extra, not really, uh, but I've kind of been a little more just been like pushing a little bit harder on work stuff recently. And one of those items that we uh, have been working on is then ping me. So had some um, good stuff worked on with that this week. Uh, so we can talk about that a little bit. Um, and then we can talk about some other stuff that I've been doing at work too, uh, which has been good and interesting and sort of fun, but we can start with then ping me if you want. Yeah. Yeah. Let's start with then ping me instead of leaving it as a straggler on the end of the show. Yeah. So do you want to start or do you want me to start? No, you've done all the work this week, so you can start. So, you know, we basically, the last spot we left off with, you and I, we had talked through all of the different discussions around what were the different statuses that we were going to be naming um, the things. And one of the ways that we, kind of, we have refactored that and we I have found to be very helpful is to have these enum classes. Now, they're not, you know, enums that you usually think database, but we have these enum classes and um, all of them are typically named something like we have project statuses or task status or execution status or whatever we might have. And um, it's nice because those classes allow us to list out the names of those things. Um, and as silly as some people might say it would be, it really is actually very helpful in an IDE to be able to have those things that pop up type hinted and it eliminates magic strings completely. It's nice too because if I click, if I like command click on that constant from anywhere in the code base, it'll show me all the other places that that magic string, right, that constant is used. And so if I need to change that out, for example, like just the other day, I had one where we had actually put the statuses directly on the model itself. So like if you had task and then under the task model, you had something like uh, running status, pending status, whatever, as constants directly on the task itself. If I wanted to refactor that, all I had to do was command click on that constant inside that class, and it would show me all the other places it would use. And I would just go over there and replace all of those with whatever you know my new thing is. So I refactored yeah. it to a task status class. So that's one kind of pattern we've been using that I've found to be really, really helpful. So not only do we use it in classes, uh, we also use it in tests and also in our model factories. So if we have different yeah. states that we want to use, so if we say, I want to create a task with a running status, or I want to create a task with a pending status, whatever, I'll use that as a state inside of my model factories. So I say factory, task class, state, task status, pending, create, whatever, right? So mm-hmm. I've found that to be really, really helpful. So I saw you did a lot of that. I've done a little bit more of it. And uh, that's been that's been really good. So that's one of the pieces that we've done. Along with that, kind of the thought process came through about using state machines to handle the transitions between the different states that you have. The problem that I'm sort of having is that all of these really depend on each other. So it almost feels something like props down events up is mm-hmm. the idea where the props down sort of thing is where you have like you have to create something in order to create a child of that something. So for example, you have a task and in order to create a ping, you have to create an execution. So you have a task and then you have an execution and then you have a ping, right? 
So a ping that belongs to that execution. So you have to kind of create that. But then as you travel kind of back up the chain, you say a ping of this type was created and you, you trigger that event and that event goes to the task and the task then says, oh, I should be in a running status. And then the task running event fires. And now you have a, okay, or a uh, execution started or whatever execution running event. And then that informs the task as to what it should do. And then the task informs the project as to what it should do. Um, mm-hmm. so you have kind of this cascade that really, it gets a little bit messy, right? And not, not really messy. There are solutions out there, but the solution that I was going to have to implement for that was basically going to have to rip out all the stuff that we had already built in there. And the thing was like, we already had tests for all of that stuff it was already working. And I'm like, okay, I started down that path and it was, it was working fine, but I was like, I really want to get this thing launched and a format that we can put out there for people to try by the end of this month. And I, so I just, I was like, okay, save all that work, put it over in a branch over here, go back to master branch off as a keep it simple, stupid branch, like a kiss branch, just like, I'm going to keep this real basic. And so that's kind of where I'm at right now. And so I'm, instead of uh, using the state machines sort of stuff right now, which we will do, I'm, I'm just, writing the tests that are going to confirm exactly what I have already laid out in my brain about where the different transitions are going to be and then and how that will affect things. So yeah, no, I'm I'm really like happy with the progress and um the the tests are giving me a ton of confidence that everything is working good. The tests are the tests are really solid. They feel great. So then the other thing that I did was I had a couple sort of determinations to make, which I will talk to you about which were interesting discoveries to me. So that being said, here we go. Um, here we go. So the, the, the question that I was kind of up against was what sort of things, uh, like how should a task influence the status of a project? So a project is the top level resource uh, directly under a user. A user has many projects or a user has a team which has many projects either way. But it's a top-level resource, you could think of it. And that project has a status, which is going to either be like this this project is completely healthy. There's nothing wrong with any of the tasks that we're checking on. Or mm-hmm. you have it in a state of warning, right? Those are really the only two statuses we have for a project at this point is healthy and warning. And so the question was, when a task which is there are three type of pings that can come in for a task, which is a started, a finished, or a skipped. When one of those comes in, in what way should that affect the status of the project? Okay, so when it starts, when a task starts, what sort of influence should that have on the project? Well, you may say if it's starting, then we know that, okay, it's like it's healthy, right? Well, yeah. obviously, you can't say that one task starting actually makes the entire project healthy. In fact, what you have to do is you sort of have to ask the project itself, hey, I started. Is everything good now? Like, can you mark yourself as healthy? Because that task doesn't have any knowledge of the other tasks. It's sibling mm-hmm. tasks. It just knows what project it belongs to. But that also begs the question, does starting a task really tell you anything? And... The answer really is not so much. No, it doesn't really tell yeah. you anything. All it tells you is that the task started on time, but it doesn't mean it finished successfully at all, right? So mm-hmm. a task that has started can update the status of the task, but it doesn't affect the status of the project at all. So the task will be marked as running and it will not get marked as late or missing. So that's fine but it really doesn't have any any effect on the project status at all, right? So a task starting event doesn't do anything for you. A task ending event, however, is, is different. At the point where you end a task, now you can say to the project, hey, now you need to check to see if this is actually good or not, right? So assuming everything's healthy, you're going to tell the project, hey, check yourself and make sure that everything's good. And if you are, then awesome. And that's really what you would typically see is you would say, if it's finished, mark, everything is good. Mm -hmm. Right. That's what you say. Like, Hey, I I checked in, mark, everything is healthy. 
the exceptions to that are if you have other tasks that are failing or missing, right? Yes. Yeah. So that's the issue. So you you have to delegate the responsibility of the project knowing if it's healthy or not to the project because the project is the mm-hmm. only thing that's aware of all the tasks. So what I did is when a task is uh, coming in with a finish ping, it says, hey, project, update health, update your health. Mm-hmm. And so the rule that I kind of came up with for that, and then let me let me talk about skipping real quick too. The other situation was when a task skips, <laughs> when a task skips, does that mean it's healthy or not? I think it's healthy. And we kind of talked about this a couple of episodes ago, I think, where a skip task is skipped because it has been explicitly told to skip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's and, the- we, and, and we've got an explicit event saying that I was skipped because I matched a condition that told me I don't need to run. So I don't think that affects. I don't think that affects. Here's the only rub. If I had a task that runs every minute, right? But it will only actually execute if there is a CSV in a particular spot. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we go, we run it, and it actually goes to run. It doesn't do a skip event. It does a start. And then it fails. It doesn't ever check back in. The execution never finishes. It failed. Right? Mm-hmm. The next event comes in and says, skip. It's no, the CSV is no longer there. It got deleted. I'm not going to run it again. But the previous execution failed. If we, if we say a skip is equal to healthy, that is completely buried now. You never know that that failed task failed because the next skip came in and you're just like, yep, looks all good. Like So, so does, a, does a skipped event contribute to the health of a task or does only a completed, finished task change the status from failed to healthy or passing? Well, uh, I mean, the skipped event wouldn't ever change the status at all. It's as though it didn't happen, that it didn't start, so it never finished, which means it never failed. In terms of like if that CSV check failed or, or the, the, you know, it's con- the task is contingent, the task running is contingent on the presence of that CSV, I think that's beyond the scope of us where all we all we're doing is monitoring whether or not the task ran or not if there is some error condition that you know if there is some condition within your application that that leads to you erroneously determining that the task shouldn't be run then perhaps that's something that you should be checking in your application maybe you should be logging that maybe you should be tracking mm, yeah you should you would the hope application that. Yeah, you would hope that the error handlers that you have in place would catch that and that something right. would tell you that they're that, that failed. You know, if your business rule is that there should be a CSV there once every 10 minutes, then if you don't see a C, like you should internally keep an incrementing counter or something that says, okay, I didn't see one for 11 minutes or 15 minutes, and then you raise an alarm in your application. We We need to be very careful, I think, about what we know about specifics of our applications and and how we treat business rules because i don't think we need to cross that line into determining whether or not your application should have run a task we just report based on what your application told us and that it it skipped and that it passed or it failed i think if people are unsure you know what why is this you know i'm expecting something to have happened and it hasn't happened and then ping me didn't report it then you would see if you logged into the interface that this task has been reporting skip, you know, for the last hour or the last two hours or whatever. Maybe later on down the track, we could consider putting in some thresholds or some alerts or something that, you know, that we could do that, that if we receive 10 consecutive skipped events, then maybe we could raise an alert that says, hey, you've said this, this task shouldn't skip more than five times in a row and it skipped six times. And then do something there. But I don't think that's something we need to necessarily consider now. Because we'll be trying to we'll be trying to guess about, you know, potential 
the imaginary users that don't exist yet and and what the needs of their applications are. I think we can we need to try and stick down the path of covering off the majority of cases as yeah. best we can without that's any fair. you know real time data. Yeah, that's fair. I think my my biggest question was if we have a task that's marked as failed and like that that particular one that's the only situation in which this makes sense what i'm asking if we had a task that's marked as failed meaning it started but never finished so we know something happened an error occurred Mm -hmm. that allowed it to not finish reporting if it's failed and we get a new skipped event we just say yeah we're fine We're, we're okay with that like we're just well, that's saying, what I'm saying. If we get a skipped event, we don't say anything. It's still failing until it's not failing because something has made it go into a failing state. Yeah. So what would happen is like, so if we had an execution start and then we have a check for check for failing executions, which would basically say, determine when we think this should, this should be coming in at, you know, determine when the, we think this execution fit should finish. And if we never get that mm-hmm. execution finished or task finished ping then we will mark that task as failing at that point right yeah that makes sense okay so then if the task then comes in as a task skipped ping we get a task skipped ping we will uh, record that that we had a task skipped ping but what you're saying is and what I, what i was what i initially said was if it's a skipped event after it's a failed event, it should not update the status of the task. Mm. Well, by by using a state machine model, would would moving from failed to skipped not be an erroneous transition? Like you can't go from failed to skipped. Would we would we prevent that from happening? Like we would still record it, but you can't transition. Yeah, a task never actually a task doesn't have a status of skipped. The task just has a status of passing failed missing whatever so an execution can be skipped but a task doesn't have a status of skipped so no but but what i'm saying is if it's if the task is in a failing state yeah then it shouldn't be out of transition to skipped yeah no i'm good with that that's what i'm yeah yeah. that's the question that i'm having sorry yeah yeah that shouldn't that shouldn't affect the, the health of the task i don't think okay yeah so a skipped event doesn't have any doesn't have any effect on the health of a task yeah, either either Great. positive or negative. So if it's healthy yeah. and you get a skipped event, it doesn't change to healthy because yeah, I mean it, it doesn't change. And if it's if it's in a warning state, then skipped, I don't think should alter the the state of the task either. Good. Okay, then we're on the same page because that's 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 where I was at with it too. Um, mm. So that's that's good. Okay, let me the other the other thing that I had then was. A similar sort of idea, which is when the finalized or when the okay, so when we have a task that's finished, then what we want to do is we want to allow the project to update its own status to determine if it's healthy or if it's in a warning state still, the entire project, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So what we do with that is we say, hey, project, go ahead and update your health. So the project will check to say, hey, if everything that I have, if every task that I'm looking at is passing, go ahead and set it to healthy, Mm -hmm. right? If I have any that are in a status of failed or missing, set it to warning. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, don't do anything. It's Mm -hmm. a no-op. So if it's running or it's pending, we say don't change the status yet. Don't change the status of the project. And mm-hmm. the reason why we would say that is because let's say that we have a task that's uh, previously failing and it sets the status of the project to warning, right? Task that comes in, it, it it's, you know, fails and we set the project to warning. So yeah. then that task that was failing before comes in and is now set to be running, right? So that task that was just a, just failed before is now running again. Now, mm-hmm. we don't actually know if it's going to pass successfully yet, right? Yeah. So we're like just saying like, maybe it's going to, maybe it's not, but it's it's now in this running status. Well, if we have another task that pings in at that time and says, hey, I'm good. The project looks at all of its tasks and says, I have nothing in a failing state. I'm healthy. It's actually not. Yeah. It's actually yeah. not yet. So what we say maybe. is, 
maybe we introduce a third state into the project. So you would have healthy, you'd have warning, and you would have recovering. Hmm. That, you know, that's that's a task that was failing that is now passing or running, rather. It's now running. And so the project moves into a recovering state. I think the only thing that can take it out of a recovering state is the task that triggered that state in the first place. And that's getting a little bit trickier because that way you have to you have to track what actually sent the project into the recovering state. And so in this case, this actually still works. Like the the way that I built it, it does still work because what's going to happen is that task that's running right now is in, in very short order either going to report back thumbs up, at which point it'll change the tasks, it'll change the project to healthy again. Hmm. Or it's not going to report, in which case it's warning again. So like, just don't change it. That's what I'm saying. Like it's, I don't really know that it's super helpful to change it from a warning to a recovery state in the time that it's running and then change it back to warning when it fails or change it back to healthy when it recovers. Like I'm just kind of waiting. It's like, Hey, if it's in, if it was in a warning state and we have, you know, everything looks good, but we have something that, you know, we're not in a warning state yet, but not everything is passing. We have something that's running and we're kind of still waiting. Just hold on, just hold on for a minute. Cause it's probably going to mm-hmm. finish in just a couple minutes here at the worst. And then we'll update you. But what that, yeah. that would prevent is it prevents this sort of like jank, this status jank where you're going from yeah. like, Warning to healthy to warning to healthy warning to health. like it's just it, yeah. you know triggering alerts that are not yeah especially if helpful. you're watching the the UI for that as well <laughs> you yeah. see it bouncing between statuses so yeah something, yeah definitely something to be the mindful of the the other thing if you've got multiple servers and you've got tasks that should only run on one server so you've got task one task two task three that are three tasks over here and task one starts. And then the cron on the other server starts and task one skips. So task two starts running on the second server. Task one finishes on the first server. Task two skips, task three starts. This is editing Michael from the future. At this point, the recording dropped, the stream stopped. My USB-C dongle fritzed out and battery starts. So we're going to pick up right about now. Yeah, so the last thing, I so here's the deal. I'm feeling pretty confident about all the stuff that we have as far as like the different statuses and going from one to the other and all that mm-hmm. stuff. The last thing that I have to do on this branch before we can start knocking out the UI is the execution. What do we call it? Check. Check for missing. Okay, so it would be check for missing executions, essentially what it'd be. Yeah. A check for missing executions command that runs every minute which would just basically check all the executions and say, based on when you're supposed to next check in, you know, have you been running for too long? Mm-hmm. And then if you've been running for too long and we haven't heard back from you, go ahead and mark it as failing or missed, missing. What is it? Which one is it going to be? Execution status. That's the other nice thing. You can go look at all of them immediately. Timed out. It'd be timed yeah. out. Execution timed out. Yes, 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 correct. Because execution can time out. And then a uh, in that case, that would mark the task as failing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's the only other that's the only other thing that I know that I would have to write that's not even in there yet, which is the check for missing executions. And then once we have that written, which will be a little bit of a fun thing, that will be that will be the last thing. So then I have all the events outlined in a little issue in the in the uh, repo that are all the different events that can affect any of the status changes. So yeah. that's the start of our event sourcing stuff too, which we started down that path as well mm-hmm. with Spassi's stuff. And we will eventually get back to that. Yeah. So we're going to eventually be using Spassi's uh, event projector stuff, which is really, really awesome. I think it's going to be great because it gives us the ability to go back and create new projectors at any time based on all the events that we have. Mm-hmm. So we can do things like, uh, you know, build new execution time average charts and cool stuff like that, right? Yeah. We'll just keep all the data and then we can build new projectors off of it and and no big deal. So should be pretty cool. But when we're just getting it out there, I think we're more interested in just getting use cases and making sure that it's actually working. And then once it's once it is, then yeah, we're golden. Yeah, I think so. And it's pretty close. You know, as, as you said, the the back end and the decision making is coming together nicely. You've you know, you're probably good, well positioned to do that kind of stuff because you already have the tool at right, at your internally, yeah. at your work. So you can bring some of the knowledge from there and then, you know, I can have a look at it after you've built that that side of things out and, and see if 
I have any edge cases in mind that we that we need to think about or if it's good to go. And then we can probably start looking at getting some people on and 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 playing. Yeah, we've had some we've had some interested parties. The only other thing that we talked about that I think would be interesting uh is like scheduled downtime. Yeah. Right. So this was something that's on our side. So for me, and then also like quiet hours. So like if you don't want to be bothered mm-hmm. during this time, like hold any events that are failing until the morning kind of thing. Yeah, like yeah. if it's after this time and, and before this time, don't actually alert me like mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever we because I do that on my side. It's like freaking stop telling me I'm not going to mess with it until later. Yeah. Like, yeah. So quiet hours sort of deal. And then also this sort of like scheduled downtime. So for me on my side, like typically like you're going to run your scheduler all the time. Like if you're on a Linux box, Linux environment, you're just going to run your scheduler. Your scheduler is always going to be running. No problem. But in our case, we actually have some tasks uh, or some some apps that are running on IIS. Mm -hmm. And the way that you run that stuff is weird because like for us, like our downtimes are like practically it's like. Thursday and Saturday, but any other night of the week is free game as long as nobody's on. Yeah. Like our IT team can get in there and kind of screw with stuff. So it's like every night we stop running our tasks at like 10 o'clock. Like nothing runs after 10 o'clock. If you're going to do anything after 10 o'clock is, is safe time. So there's nothing that's going to be freaking out because it was easier to do that and say, just make sure everything's tidied up and ready to go for the next day by 10 o'clock a.m. and then start running again at like 4 a.m. the next morning. So just have this, this change window that's always open from 10 to 4 mm-hmm. instead of depending on something to run and then it broke it in the middle of the night and now you have to fix it when you come in the next yeah. morning or something like that so so you know uh, putting these windows on like okay we're not going to listen for anything or nothing should change you know if it doesn't report after 10 o'clock don't worry about yeah. it like it's fine like don't don't change the status of it at any you know at that point so we'll have to kind of build that in as well but um yeah that would probably be on a per project or a per task basis i would think yeah, I think it'd be fairly trivial. And whether it's project or task doesn't really matter too much. Just chuck it in a, you just have to key it. Config of yeah, some just sort. Yeah, chuck, just key it. You know, this is a project, this is a task. Um, don't report this task, don't report this project between this time and this time. I think maintenance mode is something that we could probably kick down the road a little bit. But, you know, it's not going to be heaps for sure. of work to, yeah, for sure. to get in. You know, it's just a if statement. Yeah, I could... Yeah, I could leave the old ones, like my other ones, like on my current one, and just move all the other ones that are always running, mm-hmm. which is the majority, 90% of my apps always run all the time. Yeah. Just put all those in and then ping me and then kind of do the maintenance mode mm-hmm. once later on. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it should be fairly yeah. straightforward. So the, the the Laravel package that you install into your own app is pretty close. We need to just figure out how we're going to handle syncing tasks. There's um, the, the way that we have to go about figuring out what's a task and what isn't changes and and your mutex will change depending on a few different variables in in laravel and because we're not we're not tracking those tasks specifically we just pull them out of the scheduler so we don't know if you change the description for a task for example depending on the type of task it will change the mutex so from our perspective that that is still the same task it's just running with a different description so we need some way of of handling merging of of those tasks, which we can kick down the kick down the road as well, but we certainly need to give you the way. Like if it's just a, a command that you put as part of your deploy script, that's you know like then ping me sync. Or I think something. that's likely how we're going to do it. Yeah. yeah, and it'll just yeah. send things up, and we'll figure out what's different to what we have. We'll, I guess, try and guess what's been renamed. Like if it's the same signature, but the description, like because we know what can affect the 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 mutex itself, so we can kind of guess at least give you some insight like hey this this task has the same name but the description is different so obviously the mutex is different so we can't find the task based on the mutex but we can kind of match up within your your project tasks that have a similar signature otherwise and and do that so there's probably some discovery we need to do there to to marry up tasks to stop you from having to manually merge things and 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 do things like that um, I think we can. Is be- that only for like? Is that for any commands? Is that for any commands? Like, like if you have just like a, a scheduled command, you change the description that that changes the mutex. Yeah. Wow, that sucks. Yeah. Um, I think. Fortunately, I, think I don't think like people should- are changing descriptions that often. No, but that is really weird. But if you don't have a description and you've got like three or four, uh, for example, if you have a scheduled job, so if you use schedule arrow job, sure, yeah, and then you just pass it the class name and you don't give it a description. 
Yeah. And then I, later on, you want to give it a description that will change the mutex for that. So these are just things that little edge cases that we need to be like, that we are aware of. We just need to figure out the best way of, of fixing that kind of stuff up in terms of, of whatever that sync command looks like. So we can figure that out. What's typically going to, what's probably going to happen in that situation is like, we're just going to create a new scheduled job or whatever, Mm -hmm. like to monitor a new scheduled task to monitor. And then the other one's going to end up failing. It's going to be like, Hey, this stopped working. And so, like that could be a little bit alarming for somebody to be like, wait, it's not working. I thought it was working. Yeah. Like it's, it seems to be. And it's like, well, it is. It's just another task. It's a brand new task because you renamed it. You renamed the description. So it's like, yeah. Yeah. You almost have to. So, I mean, it, you almost have to like key them by like what class is being called mm-hmm. or what's the, what's the, you know, name that you've given it so that you can kind of see them right next to each other. Yeah. So, yeah, we just need to. I mean, no, because part of a deploy would wouldn't be interactive. So, yeah, we could we could figure something out. We ju- we just need to look at how Laravel constructs that mutex and then figure out you know what are the things that will actually change the mutex and go from there. And that way yeah. we can say, okay, here's two different tasks. The one that we know of that's called you know some test or some task, and here's the one that is also called some task, but the mutex is different. And then we just like compare and say. Mm, this is probably the same one. Like you're, you're not going to ever have two tasks in a project with the same command. I yeah, mean, same command or same name and different. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if the interval affects that. Like, if you want it to run every five minutes and every fifteen minutes, like, I mean, that yeah. seems kind of weird. But it's possible. We do actually have something like that. We we actually do have one that runs because it's like it runs on. Monday through Friday uh, every 10 minutes. And then on Saturdays, it only runs like twice a day or something like that, right? Like on the weekend, it only runs. So on Monday through Friday, it runs from 8 a.m. till 9 p.m. Mm-hmm. And then on Saturdays, it only runs from 8 a.m. to noon because we're only in for that amount of time, mm-hmm. right? So after that, it's just, it wouldn't make sense. Yeah. So you just schedule, um, so, you just have two entries in the scheduler with a different, yeah, yeah. And we say, yeah, we say run like um, every five minutes on, you know, weekdays, every five minutes, whatever. And then you say weekends every this many minutes or whatever. Mm. And I mean, that could be a case for using the the conditionals, the conditional constraints. Sure. So you could say yeah, you could do it that always way. run every five minutes and then, you know, do a check if, if, the, day, yeah, if yeah. the day is Monday through Friday, do it nine till eight or whatever it was. And, and then if it's Saturday and then do it till midday so the good news is though that would like in in this case that we're talking about that mutex would work for both of these situations mm. like that mutex would work it would still show as saying hey, you have one schedule for monday through friday you have one schedule for saturday yeah like yeah so in in that scenario if you use the the conditional to determine whether like it and it will never skip it will always return true it actually uses the conditional behind the scenes yeah. i believe yeah, okay. like i think when you do weekday i think it uses that skip mm. thing in the background mm-hmm. so um, cuz i don't know if in cron there's a way to say only do it on day 1 2 yeah, you, you know just, what i mean yeah, you I just do 1 1-5 and that'll be monday to friday or 0 oh, okay. well, 0 3 0 3 i can't say it, 0 through 4 depending cron on. constantly amazes me i don't understand it's yeah. it's insane so, cool. you know, we can take some of those cases and throw them, you know, build some tests around it and see see what happens. And then just figure out, like, given this changes and the mutex changes, what do we do? Um, I'm just, just cautious about trying to be too clever and then making the, the wrong decision. Like, you don't want to automate yeah. oh, the, the no, task sure. looks, the, you know, the command name looks the same. Because you might have a command that you pass arguments to that run this command every day with like dash dash daily because it could be a metric thing right i want every day at midnight run this with dash dash daily but every hour run it with dash dash hourly you know that kind of thing so yeah yeah i don't i don't even know that we can necessarily look at that you know yeah i'm i'm speculating based on not having looked at the the framework and 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 what it's actually doing so we could probably figure it out from there but i think we're running along yeah (laughs) We're, we're, well, so this is the last thing, then we can wrap it up. So we're at about, we're almost at about an hour. So the, as far as the syncing of the tasks, you had kind of two options, right? It was like you either, when you first set up your project, we look through all your stuff and we send up all the tasks. 
But in your subsequent stuff, we either can do, we could do one of two things. We can either say, send a new ping in, like don't, don't do anything during your deployment step. Just as soon as we see a new task come in, we say, do we have an existing task that has this mutex? Mm-hmm. And if we don't, we just auto create it and drop it in there for mm-hmm. you. And there we go. And send an email saying, hey, we've detected a new task. Yeah. Or, which we could still actually at that point say, hey, we've detected a new task that's not added to your project yet. Like we could do that too. Yeah. Right. The the way that we've talked about doing it is basically having a continuous integration step that would say, you know, just in your deployment script, just run PHP artisan, then ping me colon sync. Mm. And it would just say rerun through all those and then push up all of the ones push up the whole thing basically it would be almost just like the setup the initial setup yeah and then we would just say yep we already have all those oh and here's a new one that's coming and mark that as pending yeah so don't do anything with I it think, just mark it as pending i think that would be my preference because it's explicit I think and, so it, too. and it shows I intent like it that like i definitely want this to happen as opposed to us just guessing hey we got a new task and i guess this is something we should add whereas if you do it as part right. of the deploy totally. we know that a deploy is happening yeah. and that we know that the person you know the, the the CI process or whatever wanted us to to update that stuff. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, and as we're talking about that, we're also probably going to likely have to have something where you can say, you know, with like OG with oh dear, uh, I know like if you have like a broken link on a page, it'll say, hey, you've got a broken link on this page, and you can go to that and you can say whitelist this thing, like mm-hmm. stop telling me about this. I don't care. I know it's broken. I don't care. Yeah. Like you know for whatever reason that might be. So you're going to have to have this idea of like, yes, I know there's a task there. Don't listen to that thing. Like I don't, it's inconsistent enough that like, I don't want you to care about that. Mm -hmm. Stop, stop telling me anything about that. Yeah. So it'd still be in your project. We're still going to probably keep track of it for you, but we won't tell you anything about it. Yep. It's not going to affect the status of your project. It's not going to affect any alerts that go out. It's just going to kind of be there. Yep. 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 Cool. Well, Hey, thanks to everybody for, uh, Listening to our uh, brainstorming about what we want this thing to be. Yeah, brainstorming. Yeah, there we go. Oh, dude, I don't know if you can see this. You can probably see. Can you see on the wall behind? No, me? you've got your. You you've got your it all blurred. On. Yeah, we had a movie night tonight. Nice. And uh, my daughter made all these little posters and little pictures of popcorn and made tickets for all of us. It was pretty fun. Very cute. We watched Little Giants. Have you ever watched that no. movie? Oh, okay. It's an old, older Disney one. It's like a football movie. Oh yeah. Well, I don't know. It's Disney. I think it's like. Might be universal. I don't know. I'm not sure. Little Giants. Anyway, it's a good one. Yeah, it was it was fun. It was a fun one. I think I've seen it. I don't know why. Obviously, you know, yeah. ages and ages ago. <laughs> sure, sure. Warner sure. Brothers. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> anyway, I don't even know how I, I don't even know how I got on that. Anyway, thanks everybody for hanging out with us and uh, listening to us talk about this product development stuff. And um, yeah, we would appreciate any feedback that you might have if you're listening to this and screaming at your phone being like why don't you just do this you guys are idiots that's possible uh so hit us up on twitter at jacob bennett at michael dorinda at north south audio i always appreciate feedback if you like the show feel free to rate us up in your podcatcher of choice five stars and uh you can always find show notes for this episode at north meets north south audio north meets south dot audio slash 72 all right everyone hey stay safe out there stay sane and uh if you need a little bit of entertainment Hit us up on Twitter. We're in we're in separate time, you know, we're in crazy different time zones. So you'll probably always be able to catch one of us, one of us up and around. Mm-hmm. We'd we'd love to chat if you absolutely. If you just need if you just want to say hi, hit us up and we'd yeah. love to chat. Jump on the call. Awesome. Absolutely. All right, everyone. We will see you in two weeks. Hi all. Stay safe. Most importantly, Bye. stay home. That's right. Peace.